to episode 246 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about our week one results, hit on some of the interesting stats and storylines from the week. Joey, I was hoping we yeah. wouldn't be starting off the year yeah. on this note. <sighs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're defeated. It's not even the end of week one. We're already down bad. Um, Not the best week. Cash was rough. I know you didn't play any cash this week. Yeah, it was it was a tough scene in, in the cash streets for myself. And in tournaments, it, it was a tough week. You know, a lot of the chalk, in my opinion, did relatively well. So this is just going to be a week where... You know, if you're playing contrarian, which is my focus now in tournaments, is kind of just getting more contrarian and, you know, playing less chalk plays, you're just not going to do well. It's, it was just one of those it was just one of those days, you know. Saquon Barkley goes off, JT goes off, Travis Kelsey goes off as the chalkiest tight end, Michael Pittman goes off as the chalkiest wide receiver. There's really nothing you could do on a slate like this. Yeah, nothing to do but just get absolutely blown out. Uh, That's what I did. Results-wise, like Joey just mentioned, I didn't play any cash. I'm sort of supplementing my cash just with uh, a higher focus on player props and and bets like that. So I don't have any cash results. Tournament-wise, I... You know, had three main lineups. Two of them were basically dead the entire time. One was on the fringe, and I got knocked out of the cash line at the very end of the 4 p.m. slate. So, you know, cashed in some of my smaller, you know, just shots and GPPs, but overall netted about 12% back of what I invested in the day. That is just a tough, tough scene. Yeah. So for me, I played, you know, about $300 total on this slate. I played the $100 milli, got absolutely smoked in that shout out to me i'm definitely not a millionaire Mm. in cash i won zero percent of my double ups and 17 percent of my head-to-heads and in tournaments i cashed in one out of seven lineups so just not a very good week for me i had a lot of mike williams he obviously busted shout out to mike williams had a lot of Hollywood Brown. He didn't work out. Uh, James Conner didn't really hit his ceiling. He didn't kill us, but didn't hit his ceiling. Some of the quarterbacks didn't get there like Lamar, Joe Burrow, and the Bengals guys and T. Higgins got hurt. And I played T. Higgins in cash, so I was down and I had to swap to you know James Conner and A.J. Dillon in cash. It was just a fucking brutal, brutal slate for me. And you know, process-wise, I probably did make some m- mistakes looking back on it. Yeah, I mean, some things you can't account for, like uh, Mike Williams not making an appearance in a game where Keenan <laughs> Allen exits early. That's just, you know, something you can't account for. CMC, which we'll get to soon, was obviously not the way that we expected things to go. Having to pivot off of Barkley and then him finishing as the RB1 <laughs> overall on the slate is <laughs> not the way that you want things to go. It's not. And That's like, how it goes. <laughs> you know, and like you said, man, it, it was just a brutal week if you were trying to get off the chalk. Like, you know, Barkley was, like we just said, highest owned running back on the slate. Michael Pittman finished with 30 as a high owned wide receiver. It was just a, a oh God, I don't know. As contrarian players, this is not what you want to see. Decision points wise from cash, what were the things that you were thinking about most this week? Yeah, so there were a lot of popular 
plays at the cheap end, especially at wide receiver. So Romeo Dobbs ended up becoming around 15% owned. Randall Cobb was like 20% owned. Dotson was around 11 to 12% owned. And I kind of made it clear over my cash game video and the stream that we did on Saturday night that I wasn't taking that risk in cash. And Dotson obviously ends up scoring two touchdowns on three catches. Just runs extremely pure on touchdown variance. It is what it is. Dobbs ends up getting there, you know, 8.8 points at 3K. Doesn't kill you. Cobb kind of busts. But that just got me off the winning construction and the winning construction was playing one of those cheap wide receivers and paying up to Kelsey who ended up finishing with 29.1 points the construction that I thought was correct this week was playing CMC Saquon Barkley for mid-range wide receivers and punting tight end Mm -hmm. and the punt tight end led me to Irv Smith Jr. who shout out to him finished with a fat fucking donut yep So on this slate, Kelsey at 6,600 probably should have been more of a priority. I've mentioned this several times already now. We talked about this in August that Kelsey was just severely underpriced for his role and his ceiling. He was 8,300 week one last year, and he he was 6,600 this week. And the best matchup on the slate, highest total game, one of the best offenses, best quarterback, no holes, right, for Travis Kelsey. So I was just on the wrong construction going into the 4 o'clock games after losing T. Higgins to injury. CMC underperformed, obviously. And then I had Saquon Barkley originally, who was a little chalky, and I had Hollywood Brown as well, who was chalky I just felt like I had to swap you know in hindsight probably if I don't swap I probably cash which obviously sucks but with the information that I had at the time I felt like I was behind and needed to make a couple swaps and they weren't bad at all I swapped to James Conner and AJ Dillon AJ Dillon ended up finishing with 20.1 points at 5300 so he worked out James Conner ended up not working out he he got 16 and a half points and obviously Saquon had a phenomenal game and he he looks great but I think process wise the swap was the correct play results wise it wasn't the correct play I think if I don't swap I cash Yeah, I mean, I don't think you really had a choice in the spot you were in. Uh, I think AJ Dillon was a phenomenal swap. He got you off of massive Barkley chalk. He got you away from a high owned Aaron Jones direct leverage. I mean, I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, with the information you had, you made the right choice. It's just tough because Saquon Barkley decided to rewind the clock three years and go absolutely fucking nuclear. So yeah, shout out to Saquon. 18 attempts, 164 yards, a touchdown, six receptions. Barkley did his fucking thing today. The only question I guess I have for you in terms of cash was, do you feel like it was right? It's obviously hard to say in hindsight after Justin Jefferson dropped 42 points, but to me, the cash construction that I was considering all week did include Justin Jefferson uh, and sacrificing one of those wide receiver spots, but ultimately you went uh, opted to go with the mid-range guys instead. Yeah, so I went... With the, with the strict mid-range build, just because I felt like those wide receivers were relatively underpriced for their roles on their respective offenses. So my original lineup was Higgins, Pittman, Juju, and Hollywood Brown. And I, I do think in hindsight, after all the discussion that we've had in the past week about how great of a play Justin Jefferson was, it, it was definitely a mistake not prioritizing Justin Jefferson in cash um, at 7,800. Like this is a player that's going to be 9K in in like the next week or two. And he obviously had a great game and he has the role that we all thought he was going to have. They weren't blowing smoke out of their ass. They made it an effort and a priority to get him the ball and 
obviously when you get good players the ball, good things are going to happen. And definitely, definitely a mistake on my part by not prioritizing Justin Jefferson. And, you know, if I play him, I, I cash as well. So just incredible what Justin Jefferson did today. Uh, 11 targets, nine receptions for 184 yards and two touchdowns for 42.40 DraftKings points. And the crazy thing about this is that if the Packers had kept this game more competitive early, he probably would have had an even better game, right? Like Mm -hmm. he had the vast majority of this before halftime and they just took their foot off the gas and were able to run the ball with Dalvin Cook. But Justin Jefferson easily could have put up a 50 spot in this game and I think that as was the saying last year no cup no cash we're about to enter the age of no Jefferson no Jeffersons (laughs) yeah I mean you're gonna have to have just Justin Jefferson and and Cooper Cup most likely in your cash game lineup every single week if uh, they have these massive roles moving forward and yeah cash games were tough definitely made some mistakes Uh, GPPs like we talked about a lot of the chalk went off. Justin Jefferson, 15%, 42 points. Saquon Barkley, 19%, 36 points. Travis Kelsey, 24%, 29 points. Even the chalk defenses went off, like the Dolphins finished with 18. And I played in the $100 Millie Maker. I know you played in the $200 Spy. In your professional opinion, who do you think was the winning quarterback for the $100 Millie Maker? I'm looking at the team right now. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you, you will not get it right. I don't know. Jameis Winston. Same price, different quarterback. 5,300? 5,300. Baker? Baker Mayfield to Robbie Anderson shipped the $100 milli. Jesus Christ. That makes me want to retire from DFS. Makes me want to retire from life. Week one, $100 milli, 28K entry field. His only lineup... A Baker Mayfield to Robbie Anderson stack with no bring back. Saquon Barkley, Cordero Patterson, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Travis Kelsey, Robert Tunyon. So double tight end, Dolphins defense, 233.2 points. Million dollars richer. But that kind of goes back to, you know, the trend article that ETR put out. And that's, you want you want to pay down at running back, right? So they played Saquon and CPAT, two running back, 6,100 and below. They prioritized the highest upside wide receivers on the slate and Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Obviously, they got lucky that Robbie Anderson had that fucking 75-yard touchdown, but you need those big plays, right? And he was 4,800. And Travis Kelsey, obviously, was the best play at tight end on, on the board. And Dolphins defense was one of the best defensive plays on the board. And, you know, in this lineup, he had four players 2% or under. So eating the chalk at those positions didn't matter when he got super contrarian with those four guys and three of them went for 19 plus. Yeah. And that's something that we've talked about in the past is that it's more about the cumulative ownership of your team opposed to the ownership of specific players. Yeah, uh, for sure. And yeah, you definitely want to have unique players across your lineup. And Robbie Anderson was 0.5%. Cordero Patterson was 1.6%. Baker Mayfield was 1.3%. Three straight unique guys with a with a little skinny stack, no bring back. He could have brought it back with Kareem Hunt and probably scored more. Yeah, just, I mean, shout, shout out to a lotto winner. 
that that's his username. Shout out to him. And he just won the lotto, so shout out to him, Joey. All right, let's talk about some of the interesting stats and storylines of the week. Of course, there's a lot of interesting shit that came out of week one, but we'll try and focus on the most interesting of these stories. And I want to start by revisiting the debate that we had all offseason long, the 101 in fantasy football. Was it Jonathan Taylor? Was it Christian McCaffrey? And we all we were all firmly on the side of Christian McCaffrey. We were on the side of Christian McCaffrey in week one, the projections were on the side of Christian McCaffrey, Joey. But the one thing that we didn't see was that reality would be on the side of Jonathan <laughs> Taylor, who had an amazing 31 for 162 and one rushing. But the interesting thing from this is that he added seven targets, caught four for 14 yards, but seven targets for Jonathan Taylor was not something we were expecting. All the talk has been about what role Naheem Hines would have and how that would limit Jonathan Taylor. Meanwhile, Christian McCaffrey touched the ball only 14 times, saved his day slightly with a one yard rushing touchdown but the workload that Jonathan Taylor showed is almost reminiscent of CMC from years past are we concerned with what we saw out of CMC today and how sticky do you think that Jonathan Taylor's role in the pass game is going to be going forward yeah I think that obviously Jonathan Taylor we we already knew he was going to be a touch monster right he's one of the best running backs in the NFL he's been durable ever since his days at Wisconsin where you know he was rushing for 2,000 plus yards every year finishing the game with 35 touches I think is definitely at the top of his range and it was surprising to see the Colts give him that type of opportunity when they were down 17 points at one time obviously seven targets you'll you love to see that and we expect the Colts to be a little bit more pass heavy moving forward I just think that the Colts really couldn't get anything going on offense today and their solution was to give Jonathan Taylor the ball you know when we saw the Colts on the TV we saw their pass catchers dropping easy passes. We saw Matt Ryan getting obliterated by the, the Texans defensive line. And so when you're having problems on offense, I think they were just like, you know what, JT, do your thing. We're, we're going to give you the ball. We're going to lean on you. Let's do it. Just kind of an outlier, outlier game for the Colts, but JT, obviously great. CMC, on the other hand, that was disappointing disappointing surprising I'm I'm concerned I don't understand what was going on it was a close game through and through he should have been heavily involved only saw four targets in 10 attempts I I don't know what to make of this Christian McCaffrey line at all yeah I mean 14 total touches for Christian McCaffrey just ridiculous that's it it's, it's literally ridiculous why are you giving one of the best players in the NFL 14 touches come on what what, what are we doing here you asked if it's sticky or not. I don't think it is. I think that, you know, he should have probably had more opportunity and maybe, who knows, obviously I don't know, that they kind of want to potentially reduce his workload a little bit to keep him fresh for the entire year. And he did pop up on the injury report with that shin injury, I believe, mm. even though he was kind of practicing in full uh, so maybe there was a little bit of a concern there. But I think that moving forward, Christian McCaffrey, until we see his role docked for multiple games, I think we can't overreact to, you know, a one game sample with with CMC. And, you know, I'd, I'd be willing to, to run him again and potentially get hurt again. Mm. And it's not like, you know, it, it's not like he had a terrible game fantasy wise. He had 15 points and they also didn't count that run that he had when he picked up the ball when Baker dropped it on mm-hmm. you know the the snap 
because they counted it as a, as a fumble return. So he didn't get those yards for fantasy, and he would have finished with like 17 or 18 points had he got that, and the stat line would have looked a little bit better. So a couple points missed there, but nonetheless, I mean, 15 points, I think this is like the floor for CMC, you know? Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope you're right. I was ready to go ahead and say I'm never going to play him again, X him out of the player pool for the rest of 2022, but your level-headed approach probably makes more sense. Just, you know, maybe Matt Rule, if you don't want to lose to a team that's quarterbacked by Jacoby Brissett in the last seconds of the game, maybe feature your, your best player. I don't know. Just yeah. a just a random thought, but what the fuck Probably, do I Probably. <laughs> probably. You know, if it weren't for Justin Jefferson going absolutely nuclear today, I think we'd be asking ourselves if Jamar Chase was the best wide receiver in the NFL. 31.9 DraftKings points, 10 for 129 and one receiving on 16 targets, and he ran bad. He had a touchdown, clear cut, ball crosses the field. But for some reason, the official standing right there says that he is short. Yeah. Um... (laughs) And that shit made no type of sense. <laughs> then Zach Taylor, you know, hurries up to the line and rushes the ball instead of, you know, calling a challenge that he would have absolutely won. You know, Jamar Chase could have easily put up 40, 45 in this spot. Just an overall great performance from Jamar Chase. It was very encouraging to see him put up a monster game in this spot. Yeah, I mean, the top wide receivers at the player pool all had great games. You had Justin Jefferson, who absolutely dominated the Packers. You had Jamar Chase, who absolutely dominated the Steelers. Obviously benefited from T. Higgins getting his fucking head blown off. So that definitely allowed Jamar Chase to hit a ceiling. And then Devontae Adams as well. Devontae Adams at 8,100 finished with 33 points. A fantastic day from Adams. He was under 10% owned, 141 yards. Devontae Adams had more yards today than all of the Packers wide receivers combined. Uh, so I, I think that, yeah, I, th- I think that uh, the, the Packers probably realize now that maybe they made a mistake by not giving him the money that he wanted. And if there was any concern about, you know, what Adams and Carr's connection would be, I think that yeah. has been put to bed 17 targets in their first game action together. Just absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah. If Devontae Adams has this role, yep. We're playing Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, and Cooper Cup every single week. Pick one of those three. Make sure they're in your lineup every single week. And that just goes to show how fantasy football and DFS has progressed over the last few years. You know, when we first started this podcast, it was like play three running backs in cash, jam in as much opportunity as you can. But now Mm -hmm. that those workhorses are far and few between, like we see a bunch of committees, we see a bunch of RB2s making these lineups making these winning tournament lineups but then we see that the top wide receivers are the ones who are truly pulling you to the top you know Devontae Adams Justin Jefferson Jamar Chase Tyreek Hill Cooper Cup those guys are going to be the guys that you need to prioritize in DFS and in fantasy football and that's what everybody's been preaching especially with best ball those are the guys that ultimately win you tournaments now in 2022 so just have to take that into account moving forward and speaking of that AJ Brown, I think, has the chance to enter this tier as well. He was the wide receiver two on the slate heading into the 4 p.m. games, had a monster performance in his first outing with Jalen Hurts, 28.5 fantasy points, had a 41% target share, which is just 
out of this world. 10 catches, 155 yards. Dude put up nearly 30 points without a touchdown. Just absolutely insane and appears to be living up to all of the hype that we've heard about his connection with Jalen Hurts and just how much of a focal point in this offense he's going to be going forward. Yeah, I mean, shout out to uh, the best friend narrative. Yeah. Never fails. A.J. Brown, 41% target share, 13 targets on 32 Jalen Hurts attempts. Absolutely dominated today. I think that moving forward, we'll definitely see the the Eagles continue to play at one of the fastest paces in the, in the league. Um, I think we should probably see more pass volume out of them in more competitive games. Obviously, they dominated this entire game against the Lions and they ran the ball 39 times. Jalen Hurts also had 90 yards rushing, so you're you're probably going to want to play Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown stacks in DFS and it, it looks like they're they're going to have a very good connection. Yeah, I think that it's probably a good idea in DFS to target a quarterback who can rush 17 times in a game and targets an elite wide receiver at a 41% clip, <laughs> nice and consolidated. That sounds like a good pairing for DFS. I don't I don't know. Um Yeah. You know, talking about elite target shares, Michael Pittman was one of the chalkiest options on the slate, and he absolutely smashed, lived up to the expectations. 5500 was just just too cheap all along. We knew that, but still, there were concerns, right? There were these narratives surrounding whether or not the improvement around the team from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan would equate to more spreading around of the ball, but Michael Pittman still commanded a 26% target share, converted his 13 targets into to nine for 121 and one like you mentioned we saw a lot of dropped passes and overall inefficiency from the other players in this offense I think Michael Pittman will remain a focal point and I just have a feeling I don't know yet we don't know what the prices are going to be in week two but even if they give Michael Pittman a, a you know a hike up a thousand or so if he's in the mid sixes next week I think he's going to be a phenomenal play once again with the target share like this yeah his target share is just going to be very very good for the entire season you know he's just competing with the likes of Ashton Doolin who was the second highest targeted wide receiver on the Colts Paris Campbell Mike Strachan Alec Pierce Kylan Granson Naheem Hines like these are just a bunch of nobodies right like Michael Pittman obvious breakout candidate coming into the season with this upgrade at quarterback and Matt Ryan they Matt Ryan threw the ball 50 times they ran 88 plays like Pittman is going to smash this year absolutely moving on here we talked about how Saquon Barkley turned back the clock right looked like his old self well so did Michael Thomas welcome back to the league MT5 for 57 and two touchdowns on eight targets there was concern around Michael Thomas I was personally very much off of him in DFS this week I wanted to see it first we heard that he might be on a snap count and I think he was Uh, I haven't seen the snap numbers yet but it seemed like there was uh, quite a bit of time that he wasn't out there but it didn't make a difference because he made the most of the opportunity he did have scoring two touchdowns in his first NFL game action since December of 2020. Yeah, Michael Thomas ended up, you know, getting there for fantasy owners with those two touchdowns on eight targets. Uh, The Saints just kind of started a little slow and Jarvis Landry also had a really good game. So maybe Landry and Michael Thomas are the top two guys in there with Olave kind of being, you know, a little distant third in terms of pass catchers at the wide receiver position. Not a bad game to knock off the rust for Michael Thomas. Had a couple of nice contested catches 
for those touchdowns over A.J. Terrell, their lockdown cornerback one. And we just really need the the Saints to become a team that passes over expectation at a, at a very high rate if we want, you know, these guys to hit their ceiling. And I, I think that's how they should operate. Obviously, they were kind of forced into that today. But if they do that moving forward, I think Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry are going to be in play for DFS, and obviously you're probably starting them in your season, season-long season leagues as well. Not to mention the best offensive weapon on their team, Taysom Hill. Shout out Taysom Hill. <laughs> I actually drafted him some on underdog as my tight end three, and he ended up finishing with like 13 points today. He had like 60 yards rushing in a, in a tutty. If he's going to get gadget touches at the tight end position, like we probably should have been firing on Taysom Hill all offseason on underdog specifically like we knew this was coming like yeah. I, I don't know why we thought different like he's not a bad player that's the thing we've talked about it no, if you he's get just, if- he's just annoying as fuck for fantasy <laughs> he's annoying as fuck but he is such an asset to the team you know? <laughs> like if you get him the ball in space he's going to get you yards and make plays that's the crazy thing yeah people hate on him but he gets the fucking job done he certainly does man you know who didn't get the job done today we're talking about michael a thomas. lot of people yeah well we're, t- we're we're talking about mike thomas here let's talk about mike williams who really really just dove deep into my heart ripped it out i i can't believe what i saw from him i played him in so many lineups i have so much exposure to him in best ball if he has a bad year i'm financially ruined i'm gonna be homeless living you know under a bridge yada yada you know the story keenan allen exits the game early with a hamstring injury all right bet we're sailing to the money mike williams is about to go fucking nuclear mike williams doesn't get his first catch until there's 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter can you name some of the guys who were catching passes ahead of mike williams for the duration of this game we had gerald everett we had josh palmer and there were some others. Carter, a couple backup tight ends, a couple backup running backs like Josh Kelly. Yeah, just a just a tough scene for for Mike Williams truthers such as ourselves. Two mm-hmm. catches for ten yards for a nice three point finish on DraftKings today. Um, got outscored by pretty much the entire player pool. If you would have just randomly scrolled and clicked names instead of Mike Williams, you would have scored more points in your lineup. You know, Romeo Dobbs outscored him. Jahan Dotson outscored him. McCole Hardman outscored him. Paris Campbell outscored Mike Williams. Uh, uh, do I, Greg Dorch, Donovan Peoples-Jones, keep... Kyle Phillips, Rich, Richie James, Ty Montgomery. I just end my life now. <laughs> Pretty much every tight end on the slate. Uh, yeah. So shout out, shout out, Mike Williams. That's all I have to say. Fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 God. Let's take a moment of silence, real quick, for all the Travis Etienne drafters who who were taking him at the three four turn in best ball. Good moment of silence, man. I appreciate that. Uh, I feel your guys' pain, but maybe that was on us. You know, I, I remember an off-season podcast where, you know, we we threw out the consideration, maybe, just maybe, James Robinson is a true fucking dog. And that is what we saw, defying medical knowledge in all facets. In his first game back from an Achilles injury, scores two touchdowns, outsnaps 
the shit out of Travis Etienne three to one. James Robinson is, I, I don't know, man. He's just that dude. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, there's just some players you can't quantify how much dog they have in them. James Robinson is just one of those guys. I I think that this man is just maybe an outlier. You know, maybe it's too soon to, to call him an outlier. He, he had 12 touches. He had, what, like 60 nine yards 70 yards two touchdowns very very good fantasy day he's just better is that is it is it too soon too soon to say he's just better uh, yeah i mean he's better he fights for every yard he fought to be on the team on draft player just you know he's had to fight for things in his life and he's fighting to get back from this injury and he's doing a goddamn great job of it didn't hurt of course that travis etn dropped the easiest touchdown of the day right yeah in his i would I, w- I would have scored that you think so i think you would have yeah, too I- I would have caught that 100%. I mean, you, you've seen me play flag football. I 100% I would have, I would have caught that without a doubt in my mind. He was wide open. Nobody around him dropped. And that was some of the concerns that we've brought up or that I've brought up and that people in the fantasy space have brought up is that he is not a natural pass catcher like a Camara, like a CMC, like an Aaron Jones. He, he's just not. And the film goes all the way back to Clemson where people have pointed this out. And we saw it today. I mean, we saw it with the same exact play from the preseason, right? It was the same exact play, just a little dump off route to the sideline, right through his hands, dropped, easy touchdown. Granted, Trevor Lawrence also did miss him on an easy touchdown overthrow, but who knows, what if he dropped that? Then we would then we would really be concerned. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just concerned about what opportunity he's going to have. Only had a 25% share of the rushing work and a 10% target share. It's nice seeing the 10% target share, but not if he's doing nothing with it and making mistakes. James Robinson is showing enough that, I, I don't know, I'm going to be worried for sure about Travis Etienne going forward. Let's cover two of the biggest cases of offseason smoke. All right, there, there's a lot of smoke out there over the last month of the offseason. We hear a lot of training camp stuff. Some of it includes, you know, players taking special team reps, getting demoted. Well, that was the case with Antonio Gibson, but when it came time to play, it didn't make much of a difference at all because he had a massive role, a dual threat role, 14 attempts, as well as seven receptions for 130 total yards from scrimmage. Antonio Gibson truthers getting paid off early in the season yeah I should have I should have filed my gut today on Antonio on Antonio Gibson in DFS uh he was projecting well all of the trends surrounding you know banking large field tournaments show that you should probably be paying down at running back a little bit that's what I mentioned earlier and he was 5,800 on this slate projecting well like I said has kind of a pass game role even with McKissick there yeah he absolutely snapped it was a great matchup he was a home favored running back and obviously helped by Brian Robinson getting shot. Unfortunately, he should be back sometime this season, but nonetheless, he was a very, very good play this week and the projections were over it. I was over it right up until the last minute where I swapped off just because of those negative biases. And I think that those biases can just ultimately sometimes get you off good plays because you have preconceived notions about a player and you know what what they've caused you in the past when we we should be looking toward the future so Mm -hmm. 
Can't do that again. Well said. Another case, probably the biggest case, I would say, of off-season smoke came in the last three weeks when Damian Pierce just rose astronomically. Fantasy Twitter would have had you believing that Damian Pierce was the greatest running back ever to touch (laughs) the field in NFL preseason. Ended up playing 28% of snaps behind uh, apparent workhorse Rex Burkhead in a game script that you would think favored Damian Pierce, but no, Damian Pierce, 28% of snaps in a disappointing outing for the first year pro yeah I mean just truly don't understand why the Texans would sit him in preseason games while they're playing the other running backs list him as the RB1 on the depth chart and then week one rolls around and he's in the doghouse like just play your fucking best players. Yeah, what I mean, are you, they, what they are you all but doing? said he was their best running back, that he earned it, and then they're giving Rex Burkhead all these snaps ahead of him, right? We thought the concern would be that maybe if they got down in this game the way it was projected, that Rex Burkhead could be the superior pass catcher, and in that scenario, he outsnaps him. But the Texans were leading for a large portion of this game. It made perfect sense for this to be a pure spot, and it was not. Yeah, like, why legitimately why are you playing rex burkhead above damian pierce what is the upside i i don't understand what these teams do sometimes obviously i i personally expect this to change i think that damian pierce will eventually be the guy uh whether that's next week whether that's in three weeks a month who knows but you cannot continue to play rex burkhead over damian pierce a guy that showed he does have some juice to his game in the preseason and he's just a rookie running back, right? Like, you you might as well just play him and see what you have rather than playing Rex Burkhead unless you're purposefully trying to lose games, which who knows, they probably are. I do tend to agree, but maybe they're just on full-blown tank time. Who knows? Let's close out the show with some injury watch. Uh, Eli Mitchell left very early in the 49ers game with an apparent knee injury, as is tradition for Kyle Shanahan-led offenses. Uh, uh, The running back position appears always to be frail. I think that Jeff Wilson Jr. would be the priority waiver add in this spot. Yep, Jeff Wilson Jr. for sure. Eli Mitchell should most likely be out you know a few weeks two three weeks potentially uh maybe more who knows what we'll have to wait and see for that other than that not really any major injuries to offensive players Najee Harris left the game with you know an aggravation to that list Frank injury he suffered in the preseason but said to not be that serious but if he were to miss some time Jalen Warren would be the guy that you want to pick up on waivers as he is the RB2 for the Steelers but Nonetheless, it's it's not like Najee was was having a great game and they were up the entire game, you know. Right. Um, so that that Steelers running back spot outside of Najee is just not going to be a good fantasy bet, in my opinion. Agreed. I would still take a speculative shot on Warren because there are scenarios where this Liz Frank injury hampers Najee for the duration of the year. It's yeah. an easily re-aggravatable injury. So I would want to be, you know, at least rostering Jalen Warren if it do- if it comes at an affordable price tag. Lastly, Keenan Allen, who we mentioned, left with a hamstring injury. We don't know the severity of that yet. He walked off fine. I, I don't expect him to miss significant time, but something worth monitoring for sure. And that, Joey, is going to be it for episode 246 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us 
on Twitter at Dose Media Net, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. We will be back on Thursday with our first look preview at the week two NFL slate. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what's going on within the network, join our inner circle via the free Discord channel. You can find that in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.